Hello, and welcome back to Tambellini's Top of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Ilkani, and today we are going to be exploring the topic of things I never thought I would hear a CIO say. We are joined by Marilyn Smith, who is a longtime higher ed CIO. Marilyn is the former CIO of George Mason University and the former CIO of MIT. She's here today to dig into this topic with us and answer questions about how has the role of the CIO changed? What advice does she have for people who are starting out as a higher ed CIO or might want to get to that point in their career? Let's hear from Marilyn. Marilyn, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm delighted to be here and delighted to explore this uh, fascinating topic with you of uh, what is sort of unique and different about uh, CIOs and particularly CIOs in higher education. I'm really looking forward to this too, Marilyn, because I think we're going to hear some things that are a little bit different than people typically think of when they think of being a higher ed CIO. And I'd like to start with your recent work as an advisor. So you have been advising George Mason. You've been advising the CIO there as you get ready to move into retirement. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be an advisor? Well, that's a very good question, Caitlin, because I really had no idea when I first started chatting about retirement with my boss, the new senior VP um, at Mason, who actually had somebody that she had brought in to do some consulting and she was interested in him for this position. So we were right at the right time. And she said, well, I would really like you to stay and help Kevin because he doesn't have any higher ed experience. And one thing I like about Kevin is he's very open and honest and acknowledges he doesn't have higher ed experience. So what does it mean to be advisor? Well, I wasn't sure when I first started out. I know a little bit more now because I've been doing it not quite for a year. In December, it will be a year. And what it means is attending meetings with him, Mm -hmm. uh, talking with him, and explaining what is the background behind some of the things that go on. And a lot of it is relationships and people and people's behavior. And I think it's important for a CIO, even though you think of a CIO as always being involved in technology, and Kevin brings a lot of valuable technology uh, expertise and experience to the table, A CIO at a university often has to build relationships with people and understand where people are coming from and what the dynamics are at a university. One of the real challenges at a university that I've hoped that I've helped Kevin to understand, and he has told me and and my boss that I've helped him a great deal, is the sort of federated nature of a university uh, where the colleges are pretty independent and they have their own IT people. And yet we have a a central IT organization that provides the primary services. And sometimes there's overlap, sometimes there's challenges, sometimes there's faculty that wanna do their own thing and don't always follow the security rules. And you have to understand all of that 
and not try to nail them into doing whatever it is you want them to do or to force a corporate or to force controls on them. Rather, uh, you need to work with them and convince them about the controls that are necessary and also understand what they're trying to do and why and where they're coming from. And at a university, people tend to come from all different places. That's the wonder of working at a university. You walk across a university, you have so many different stakeholders. And even within those stakeholder groups, people coming from vastly different places. And that is something I think I've helped Kevin a great deal with, as well as the technology, the governance, and some of the other experience that I've had that I've been able to provide him. So there's that component of being really a service of, of enabling the business of the university through IT. And higher ed is so collaborative. It's, it's so much based on the, the community and, and making decisions as a group. I can see how getting Kevin to understand, helping to advise along, well, how do you do that? How can you be a good steward would be very important. It's a job of influence. And a CIO at a university really reports to everyone. Mm -hmm. And there are some times when a CIO feels like no one reports to him or her. (laughs) In other words, they have all the responsibility and none of the authority. So you can look at it that way. Although what you need to do is use influence to tease out and to move people in the direction you want to move them. And sometimes you're surprised because they move you in the direction that they want to move you. Well, I can see how it can go both ways. And technology is changing so quickly. We've seen such a rapid adoption of things like cloud, you know, software as a service, that I'm wondering if as technology has changed, you've seen the role of the CIO change. So for instance, are there some things that you might've been talking about 10 or 15 years ago that you just couldn't imagine saying now or having to do now? Well, we've gone through mainframes, we've gone through client server, and we're into the web uh, technology era now. And I would say there's a lot of things that I say now that I never envisioned saying uh, before. Uh, Because what I want to do is I want the IT organization to realize that they're there to provide services and not to control. Mm -hmm. And I think a big change has been that the IT organization and the people in it always know more than their customers. As a matter of fact, at MIT, everyone thought they knew how to do their job better than I did. My, my job better than I did. And in fact, some of them did actually know how to do my job. Better. And I admitted that and I never thought I would admit that. And that applies to the people in the IT organization too. And sometimes we get so caught up in the new technologies. Uh, well, sometimes we hang on to the old technologies. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. And driving change. Um, I, I know that people who call for change which is somebody like me, don't always want to be transformed themselves. And they've got to have that realization that they don't. Uh, But within the IT organization, there are people that are comfortable doing what they're doing and they feel that that's their job security. And one thing I learned a really long time ago that hasn't changed really is that some of the IT 
people are the most difficult to get to change mm -hmm. uh, because IT people that tend to stay at an insurance company or a university or a state job tend to get comfortable in their jobs. And even though they contribute a lot, they don't want to go elsewhere and they worry when new skills come in, yes. some of them embrace them and some of them don't. So we've got lots of new skills coming into IT now. We just went through a period where I'll just give you an example. We had established WebEx as our collaboration standard, mm -hmm. and we decided to bring Zoom in because all the faculty were using Zoom. And in fact, Zoom was easier to use in some situations. WebEx is a perfectly great product, and I'm a Cisco fan myself. So we brought Zoom in and the people that were in charge of WebEx got so upset. Well, what does this mean? And then at the same time, we're bringing Microsoft Teams in. Well, it's okay to have three or four products for a while. We need to learn them and we need to support them. And we don't have to know everything about them and control them. We have to work with our customers. Remember why we're here. We're here for higher ed. We're not here for IT. And sometimes within the IT organization, we forget that. And frankly, sometimes outside the organization, the customers don't want to come to us because they see us as controlling people. And as much as they say, well, I want to do it faster, it's really because they want to control things themselves. So what you've got to do is balance the stakeholders and what they want to do, particularly the other people that work at the university that are under a lot of pressure, especially during COVID, to move to new technologies and new ways of doing things and get yourself as an IT organization seen as a helper and providing services and willing to listen and willing to change. So I would say that the biggest change in IT organizations over the years but I, I think this was true for me since the beginning, is understanding why you're there and what the real purpose and the whys of the business that you're in, in this case, higher education, are and how you can help promote those things. That's why an IT strategy that complements a business strategy and that integrates with it, you're really partners with the business folks. You're not just conducting IT over here, which years ago when it first started, IT was over here and the business people would come to that to us. And now I don't think any of us can do our jobs alone. It's all about collaboration. Marilyn, you just brought up an interesting point. Sometimes change is very difficult, especially in IT where I think there's a, a preference for more black and white systems thinking. And you get into a comfort around your skill set where you can feel threatened by big changes. And unfortunately, COVID has really forced a lot of huge changes in higher ed and in educational delivery methods and, you know, adoption of new technologies. And I'm wondering, as we look ahead to the spring semester, what do you think CIOs should be thinking about? in terms of, you know, maybe even more things that need to be happening and what might be some things holding them back? Well, I think CIOs need to short, think short-term and long-term. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we haven't discussed yet is budget situation. This yes. is at uh, universities, but it's also uh, at companies across the nation and, and across the world. Uh, and technology tends to be expensive. Mm -hmm. So we've got limited budgets 
and we tend to want everything. At a university, we tend to want everything, particularly the university I've just been at, which is a relatively young university, and we've grown by 15% in the past five years. We actually are at 39,000 students from 33,000 wow. students. We came very close to that this fall, even though the mix of students would it is different and the mix of students determines profitability, not to get into the details of that. But I think it's really important for the IT people to understand financially where the university is mm-hmm. and also what are the top priorities of the university. Part of it would be reliability and stability of the IT organization. So in terms of something that I never thought I would do as a CIO, as an advisor, one of the things I did is found a CIO at another university who was willing to give up half of his allotment of Dell laptops so that we could give laptops to students who didn't have laptops. We paid for them, of course. But um, there's all kinds of negotiation that, that happens. And I think we're going to have to worry about bandwidth for students and access mm-hmm. for students because we've gotten through these times. But next spring, I think we'll be moving towards a more permanent. And it's hard to know what it's going to look like, how much face-to-face and how much virtual. But I think there will be a lot more virtual, synchronous and asynchronous, permanently, quote-unquote, than there has been in the past. Mm-hmm. And even though it was very uncomfortable for the IT folks, and frankly, for the folks that run the functional areas in the, in the, on the non-IT folks, because all of a sudden they had the, the word, the, the magic word is pivot. They had to pivot uh, to yes. all these new things. These were things that were in the works anyway. Mm-hmm. And we really accelerated changes that were happening anyway. And now I think one of the biggest things we need to do is select one of the most important things to do going forward, not just from the IT uh, stability network, all of that perspective, but also from the perspective of teaching and learning tools. And we also have to decide what we're going to stop, which we haven't talked a lot about, but there are older systems and older business processes that we need to slow down or stop doing or prioritize them lower. And so that we can take the people that we have and reskill them mm-hmm. and use the resources we have because we're not going to be given millions and millions of dollars, even though investment decisions are gonna be made. My university has said, listen, we wanna make sage investment decisions uh, for the business going forward, not just worry about cutting or making our budget match. And I like that about, I think that's uh, fiscally responsible, but it's also responsible to the students. I love our new president. He's really very focused on the students. So what did I say? Focus on the students, um, decide what your strategic investments are gonna be, decide what you can stop doing. And I would say, and, and I think listen in terms of strategy, and I said that before, but I would also say it would be good for CIOs to spend some time thinking about what might happen in five years mm-hmm. and different scenarios, because I think that CIOs can contribute an awful lot to scenario planning, um, working w- in partnership with their, uh, with, their, with their customers. I agree with you. And I'm, I'm wondering if there might be some other things. You mentioned 
little bit ago that you reached out to another institution to buy Dell laptops and that that was something that you couldn't have foreseen having to do in the past. Are there any other things that have recently come up, especially with the changes that COVID has forced that you never thought a CIO would have to do? Okay. Well, one of them is when I first got to Mason, I learned that one of the things I was responsible for is GMU TV. So Mm -hmm. we have an entire production studio and production staff. And now with COVID, everything is about production. These people are working as hard or harder than anyone in the university. They're in there most days. So if you think about some of the synchronous and asynchronous classes being given, if you think about communications being so critical, always was, but now you don't have people in the offices. And I think you're going to end up with a lot more work at home and a lot more telecommuting after this everywhere, not just at universities. So I recognized, I always uh, was felt honored having the TV station uh, report to me, but I can tell you, I recognize their value so much from what they did uh, during COVID and now. I just mm-hmm. attended, for example, our Arts by George, which is usually a live presentation fundraiser every at the end of every September. And this time what they did was they repeated some of the prior years and they also taped some, some new stuff. And the TV station was instrumental in, um, in recording that. And if you think about people across the universities, all of them now are having to be producers. All of our admissions and our uh, marketing, that it's all online. We don't have large groups of students visiting the university. We don't have large groups of people going out and visiting different states and different high schools. Mm -hmm. It's all had to be uh, online and virtual and it's highly competitive. So everybody is in some aspect of the production business now, which wasn't true before. And so I I love having that TV station reporting to me, reporting to Kevin uh, now and being able to work with experts uh, in uh, production. um, And And this may be an idea for institutions that haven't had a production studio reporting into IT before. Maybe this is something they could be thinking about adopting coming into the next school year. What's nice is that IT is central Mm -hmm. and that um, they can use IT tools and we have actually they design their studios and we've actually got classroom designers that sometimes work with them. We design the classrooms. So it's the equipment, the software and, and the services, all of it is central. I mean, you could argue that a production studio really should be in communications, but if it's in IT, it tends to be used more by the faculty uh, for teaching than if it was just in community, I don't want to say just in communications. It doesn't matter where it is. The fact, the fact that is that we have it and it offers services to the university is exciting. Yeah, that's, a, that's a wonderful advantage that it's great you had set up prior to all this happening because you already had all the infrastructure in place. It was just thinking about how to use it maybe a bit differently. I'm wondering as we get to the end of our time together, Marilyn, if you have any top advice for CIOs who have been 
in their role for a while, as well as advice for people who are, are new CIOs? I do. I think that you need to spend time getting to know the people that you're going to work with, understanding the politics. A campus is a wonderful thing. And because we encourage so many different opinions and attitudes, it creates tensions. I mentioned the decentralization versus centralization before. But we really need, in this time, we're all trying to run as businesses and we're worried about competing against one another for students, to recognize that we're an academic community and preserve the academic side of our institution. Now, there's some people on the academic side at all institutions, actually, that believe that we shouldn't be running as a business. But the truth is we are businesses, but we don't want to forget. We want to preserve the value of the academic community and leverage it and help. And I think that my advice to a CIO would be not just to listen, be transparent, try to speak in one language, not technically, act in the best interest of the community. But the whole thing is about building trust um, with people, with the people that report to you and with the community. And I think that leadership is as or maybe more important in IT because of that need for trust, because there's always a, a feeling that I don't understand technology from the, from the community that you're working with, but you are a community. And oftentimes the IT people don't understand the academic side of it as well as they need to. So building understanding and trust because a CIO is in the center of a lot of things and sees a lot of things across the community. They're in a very unique position to act in the best interest of the community and to build trust and to work with our customers at uh, helping them to solve their problems. I would also encourage them to develop their people and to surround themselves with people that think differently than they do. I, and a lot of this is just, if you step back, it's just really basic leadership advice, but I think it applies. Sometimes IT leaders don't realize that this basic leadership advice applies as much or more to them and especially where things are changing and the partnership and the collaboration become and the trust becomes so important going forward. These are great insights, Marilyn. Thank you so much for joining us today on Tambellini's Top of Mind podcast. Well, I enjoyed it very, very much and I hope we keep in touch, Caitlin. Thank you very much. This was fun. Absolutely. Thank you, Marilyn. That's the end of our show today. Thank you for listening to the Top of Mind podcast. We'll be back next month with another great topic. And you can check in to Tambellini's other resources on our blog and YouTube channel. See you next time.